Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hi guys, welcome back to the show. I'm Titus, and it's a pleasure as always to have you guys listening in. I appreciate everybody's support and everybody really dialing in, punching in those five stars and and going in on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. It helps the podcast grow, helps others listen about it. I was talking to my dad today and I said that we do not charge, nor do I ever plan on charging just to listen to this podcast. Um, so all I ask is maybe just a little support and you guys hitting that and you guys always come through. So I appreciate that. Today we got a guest on Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. I don't, I say guest, but really he's a friend and, uh, he's been on here a few times now, maybe three or four times actually. And, uh, we have some good topics today. Elliot, it's good to have you on the podcast today. Yeah. Thanks for having me on Titus. I, I always enjoy coming on and, and talking with you and, and being able to, share myself with your listeners yeah and before we go any farther i just uh why don't you share with everybody everywhere they can find you well i've got a youtube channel called freelance duck hunting i also have a podcast called north american waterfowler podcast and then a second podcast that's all about dog training it's called the flatlander kennels podcast with chris jobman on Instagram, it's just at freelance duck hunting. So there's a variety of places I'm I'm around today. We're, we're spread out, <laughs> spread out. Right. Then, uh, right. Yeah, I, I know the feeling. Uh, well, it's good to have you on again, and I think we got some good topics. Um, even though we're out here in California, I think this topic with what's going on with Kansas uh, laws and regs over there with fishing game. I mean, we call it fishing game. I don't know if you guys have a different verbiage, but it's something that is, I believe, going to move throughout all the other states. 
and um, I just want to hear some details about that. Let the listeners hear kind of things we need to keep our eyes open for and protect ourselves and stand up for certain things. But why don't we get into um, some of the new things that they're trying to introduce this year, Elliot? Sure. Well, they have not signed anything or created any regulations yet, but every other month, the way that Kansas is set up, um, there is a commission. I think it's a five or I think it's a five, six. I can't remember how many people are on the commission, but there's a commission appointed by the governor and they make all of the regulations dealing with um, fishing, hunting, trapping, all of that stuff. And they meet every other month. And these are these uh, meetings are on YouTube. You can watch them. And so there's been a lot of talk the last few years about um, non-resident pressure on our public lands. <laughs> Excuse my voice. I've been, I've got this throat thing. So if I'm a little scratchy, forgive me for that. But there has been a lot of talk from, I'd say a small minority of very vocal people who feel as though the state of Kansas um, has just way too many non-resident hunters. So this has been a topic of conversation for two or three years by the commission, but they have they have not done anything um, at all. This year, uh, two months ago, let's see, it's April, whatever it was, March, uh, February, um, they had a commission meeting and they announced that they were making a, a side committee that was with some commissioners, some um, managers of our area public land, and they were going to come up with some suggestions to um, deal with the non-resident pressure. Mm -hmm. So they met April 27th and they um, rolled out there that what they would like to do is as soon as possible, they would like to make it so that non-resident waterfowling, I think this is waterfowling only. I'm not positive. But I'm pretty sure it's waterfowling only. Would only be able to hunt on Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays um, throughout the entire year. So residents would be able to hunt seven days a week. Non-residents would be able to hunt Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays. Now, I feel very, very certain that this is going to be passed with no problem. Uh -huh. um, there, was, there was not a single commissioner or anyone in the audience that gave any kind of opposition at all uh -huh. to this idea. So I think they've got to bring it up to the committee two times. Um, they have procedures that they have. They call it workshopping it. And workshopping is just when they discuss it. So I believe they have to discuss it again in June, and then they can pass it. Um, would be August. I'm not positive on those, but that's what I believe it is. But I think it's going to pass easily, and it, it's due to go into effect in the 24-25 waterfowl season. Mm, okay. <laughs> now, and that would start with till season all the way to the end, right? Correct. Yes, it would huh. be. Throughout the whole year, you come in, you can buy a license, but you only get Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And and you cannot even scout or be on the water or grounds at all um, any other day. So you can't even go boat oh, around wow. on public ground. So there, what about dry, like literally driving and scouting? You can't do that? Well, you could drive the roads, but you couldn't get out into the marsh, okay. is my understanding. Yeah. 
and they're they are the core. So in Kansas, you've got Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks lands, then you've got core grounds, Army Corps of Engineers, mm-hmm. and then you have federal, and then you've got private, obviously. And there's a couple of rivers that are considered navigable rivers, where if you can get permission to get inside the banks, you can go wherever you want. And they feel they feel like the Army Corps of Engineers on board with this, which means reservoir, mostly reservoirs, um, main lakes. And then um, they think they can get the federal areas on board with it as well, but they're not as certain about that. So it kind of sounds like there's still a lot of stuff that has to go through to get this done, right? Well, they've got, they have to get the the regulations written and in place. Uh Um, So they don't, they don't think they can get it done for this, this year, but they, they they can get it done for 20 starting 24 they feel very certain hmm. and they just have to they have to put up a vote in front for in front of the commission and the commission just has to has to be a majority you know it's funny i i haven't heard anyone outside of kansas talk about this in fact there's a lot i anyone i've talked to in kansas hasn't even really heard about it so this thing right now is is really um under the radar as far as um national perception of it, as far as i can tell well, let me ask you two questions here. First question being, how do you think the majority of resident hunters, all Kansas hunters, are going to feel about that? Just this. Oh, one I think specific- they'll be thrilled. Thrilled, right? I and how do you? Be, I think they'll be thrilled. What's your thoughts on it? I am a little bit torn about it. Um, I personally, and where I hunt, I don't have a big pressure issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked really, really hard. Uh, getting away from everyone has always been my number one goal. Mm-hmm. So I I pride myself on finding places that are off the beaten track. But I can tell you that I don't really feel like I that there's much of a problem where I hunt. Mm-hmm. I'm rarely within 300 yards of another person. Honestly, rarely within 500 yards. Yeah. So personally, I don't don't see it. I have been in areas where I have seen it. Um, not my main areas. If areas I know are really overpressured, I tend to stay away from right. them. Now, now, I will say, if you look at the charts around 2013, we, so so let me take a step back. We have the same number of people hunting in Kansas today as we did clear back to 2007, 2008. So the actual number of people hunting has not increased. But what has increased is the non-resident hunter when the resident hunter is decreased and the non-resident hunter is increased so somewhere around 2013 um and don't quote me on these numbers because i saw the chart but i'm just going off of memory so i could Mm. be off a little bit on these but these are basically basically correct 2013 you had a high 20 percent of non-resident hunters and the rest were resident and now we are up to high 40s i think it was 46 percent last year that were non-resident so what's happened over this time frame um is that the residents have stopped hunting as much and the non-residents are hunting more and what the perception is and this is what even the department of wildlife and parks people are saying is the non-resident guys when they come in they are hunting relentlessly they're you know most residents in kansas will leave the marsh about 9 30 10 o'clock and these guys are coming in um, from out of state and they're just, they're hunting all day. Yeah. So it's it's not just that there's so many more non-residents, it's the number of hours they're spending on the marsh yeah. and pressuring. When they say pressure, it doesn't necessarily mean 
too many people. A lot of times they're meaning they're pressuring birds. On the birds, yeah. Right. And and we're seeing a reduction in resident hunters, which the the squeaky wheels who are really, really have pushed this forward are will claim that it's specifically because the amount of pressure that residents are are not hunting as much. Hmm. Do you is that do you believe that too? I don't really know. Yeah. I don't really know. I mean, selfishly, the idea about there being less out-of-state guys right. in the marsh. Or just hunters in it, general. And hunters in general. Yeah. I, 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 my dad and I say, I'm not trying to kill a, a limit of mallards. I'm trying to kill a limit of mallards with no other person around. Right. That's my ultimate goal. So that idea seems wonderful to me. I am a little concerned about... You know, once legislators uh, start making yep. regulations, they don't really like to stop. Right. So they're also adding about five or six places in the state where you cannot touch any of the water until 5 a.m. They're mm-hmm. talking about gear restrictions, which would probably mean some type of shell restriction. So they're like going down this road of more and more regulations. Um, mm-hmm. There's a the place where now they have a no wake zone where you can't get up on plane. Um, and that's one of the biggest marshes in the entire united states uh-huh. so they're going down this road of lots of regulations i mean if the next thing what are they going to do next be like well you got to be out of here by noon uh oh now at this place we're gonna we're gonna pull we're gonna draw four blinds i'm just i like selfishly i really like this uh-huh. and i don't so i don't have an issue with it we need i do believe that we're sovereign states and the residents of this state need priority in some way shape or form yeah i, I honestly believe that i don't know what that should be this feels really aggressive to me um of a stance but it's going to be great it's going to be great it's just when where are they going to stop in in arkansas you can't hunt fast noon you can't use spinning wing decoys yeah you can't you know and that's my concern and we have places like that in california so i wanted to ask you something uh about um Oh man, I knew I was gonna lose that train of thought on that because it was some, you said the noon thing. Um, we have places like that in California that allow that, and they are better known. But I will say the places that are were known far and wide of how awesome they were, and it was like almost impossible to ever get drawn there. But to be mm-hmm. honest with you, it's been that way for I'm gonna say ten plus years, maybe fifteen, mm-hmm. easily, and it's not made a difference in the birds. Um, and the, I'll tell you what the problem with it, and I'm speaking specifically to here on um, this specific refu- refuge, I won't say, but um, it, it's habitat and it's the food. And mm-hmm. it's that's that's been the big key thing there. So I don't think noon restriction, in some ways, I know a lot of clubs, private clubs will do that, and it makes a difference, but, they, but that's also talking about guys that are really planting and really planning how they do things and getting the water there and putting the right food, you know, feed and, and stuff like that. So that's, they're bl- They're saying it's all about the noon restriction. And I know that's got a place, but like, how are you judging that when you, when you put all this good habitat into a place, you know? So, right. I just, it I'm makes like, me curious. nervous. I, I just don't, well, I don't want them. And to I think I know why you're nervous. And we're going to go into the other aspect. That's something that's been, coming up with the YouTube thing. I don't want to quite jump in that just yet, but do you think, well, let me back up. I have two questions here. I almost forgot the one. The one is I've heard this 
and I thought you said this in your podcast that was on with you recently. If you guys haven't, like, like Elliot said, go check out his podcast. I was just on there recently, and uh, well, I guess that's probably not even aired yet, huh? That's not even out yet, so never mind. <laughs> Which one? Well, it, well, it, yeah, it will have aired by the time they're hearing this. Okay. I'm it out. Well, so go check it out, um, and you guys really enjoy his podcast. I mean, if you like mine, you're definitely going to like his better podcast. <laughs> but what I'm curious, Elliot, is I thought you said this. Maybe I just heard this from somebody else, that a lot of people from the Carolinas are hunting Kansas. Right. Is that true? Yes. Why do you, th- why, do you, why do you think that? I, and I know there's Carolina listeners on here. I have a whole side of my mom's family's from Carolina, so I'm not picking on anybody. I was just curious. Why do you think from all the way from over there? Because, I mean, you guys, that's a still a, 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 a little bit of a trip. So what's what's right. the draw from that, those states? What I have been told is that, number one, guys, and a lot of guys in Carolina have a lot of money. Number okay. two, the waterfowl hunting there is just not that great anymore. Mm-hmm. So they've got money. They're willing to travel. And my guess, it's not just Kansas. It sees a lot of South Carolina tags. I think they just travel well. Um, like I can, I've never seen a North Carolina tag, hmm. um, but it's what I see mostly when out of state is not including Missouri. Cause that's, I don't consider border States is barely even to me non-resident. I see places like Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, South Carolina. It's, it's either down South and to the East or it's South Carolina. Hmm. Okay, I, I I'm still just like, <laughs> you know, if Matt ever listens to this, I I'm wondering like, okay, not that I'm saying Kansas isn't good because I know it can be, but I mean, what about Nebraska? What about those same people, Oklahoma? Uh, I mean, there's there's gold mines there too. Missouri has great duck hunting. I'm just kind of wondering. Right. I don't know. I know not well, everybody's you know, coming there. Of, you know. You know what year? I can tell you what year this non-resident avalanche started and i don't really like to have this conversation but i have to be real was 2015 um and on is when this started and the youtube waterfowlers josh and i started in 2015 Uh josh blew up in 2016 Uh bobby came along in 2017 so by 2017 you've got josh and bobby the two biggest forces on youtube and waterfowl in kansas in Kansas, you've got the grind, which is in Kansas mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. A few years before that, uh, Ducks Unlimited TV did like seven of their hunts were from Kansas. This was, mm-hmm. I think, I don't remember what year, something like 2012, 13, 14-ish. So you've had this onslaught of media um, from Kansas. Not, to, not only that, but then you've got everyone from down to Louisiana, Arkansas, just crying their eyes out about how they're not getting the mallards anymore Mm -hmm. because of the weather. And I think that, oh, and Kansas is kind of the wild west where, you know, you can freelance it on public. You can, there's not many restrictions. You can bounce from reservoir to reservoir. The scouting's really pretty easy. Um, You know, you've got the ice line riding back and forth. The later it gets, the better it gets with mallards. And so uh, to me, it's just kind of the perfect storm of, Every, all eyes on Kansas when, I mean, there's absolutely no reason that Nebraska shouldn't be the same thing, but I just think it's an onslaught of all of those things mm-hmm. um, coming together. 
Gotcha. Yeah, and like you said, that's not even easy conversation to have. But I was kind of wondering, you know, if that's so. What I'm, I guess, where I was kind of working myself into is, do you think that it stems from YouTube, which you already answered that, and then do you think that this is where all these other ones are just coming about, fr- stemming from YouTube about the time restrictions and the the speed and the no wake. Or do you think they're just pulling that from other states? Because I do know a lot of other states do that kind of stuff. Do you think they're just trying to make it just... Because you're you're almost kind of semi-punishing the residents, too, with some of these. In right. A, in a I, way. I, I, as far as the other restrictions, the no-wake restriction came from the fact that that's out at Cheyenne Bottoms, which is the biggest marsh in the interior 48. It's absolutely massive. Mm-hmm. And guys were running on plane. Um, and they used to, guides used to be, used to do this, where if it got slow, you could get up on your boat mm. and just run around this yep. marsh and kick up a bunch of birds. Yeah. And they had a couple incidents where people almost got run over because mm-hmm. guys were just running the pools. Yeah. So that was isolated to that. The 5 a.m. rule started um, at a place called Neosho on the southeast part of the state. And that, that place, gets over pressure like crazy i mean it can be filthy with people and they created that to try to give the birds a few more hours in the night to be on those feed pools because you know the birds start night night feeding right and so their idea was if we can keep the birds you know people entering the marsh somewhere between midnight and four o'clock um if we can keep this these pools free from people during those times these birds can get more food and we'll keep them in the area longer so th- those restrictions were really independent of um, any other reason, I think. Mm-hmm. I'll play the devil's advocate here. You were talking about running on plane with the and not doing that and then having the wake restriction, basically no wake. Mm-hmm. Part of me likes that. Um, it's kind of a pain with the marsh that big, like you're talking about showing right. bottom. But at the same time... Um, Let's not even talk about just kicking birds up so guys can shoot birds and, you know, they're just kind of spreading out because I know exactly what you're talking about. But also just the noise, right? Like just the noise of mm-hmm. even if you're not going to kick birds up. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But you're just basically going from where you hunted to the launch. Um, when you're on plane and you got mud motors, service drive, whatever, and you're ripping through there, it's super loud. And you're flushing birds way far away that you wouldn't even flush if you were not making a wake, right? Right. So uh, the story, a backstory to that, um, I'm going to have a guy locally here that's going to be on the podcast. He's worked for Fishing Game for over 30 years, and uh, I'm really excited to have him on. But he was talking about back in the day and some of these river systems that they used to hunt. He said that there was only, you know, a few guys that hunted and this is over 30 years ago. There was like three or four of them. And he said they all had the little Johnson 15 horse, you know, 20, 25 horse motors. So super quiet. And the duck hunting was phenomenal. And you would, you would do your hunt. No one bothered each other. And then you get out of there. And he said, it was just like, something you dream about right just mallards just just thousands of mallards and i know this ain't the only issue there's more to it than this habitat and you know people building and people moving in whatever but i just thought to my he was saying the biggest factor to me he's like the birds just get sick of getting flushed up and the loud noises in it they Mm -hmm. they may be 500 yards away uh, but with now the new motors and how loud they are he said they're flushing up even out of those spots that are not even close to the boat or the hunter, you know? So yeah. I wonder if that will have some positive benefits in the end. I think probably so. Not only that, but these pools out there. So if you imagine, let me set the stage for what this area looks like. It's a gigantic circle that used to just be a huge marsh. And so they cut it into individual pools. And there's probably, I'm not even sure, because they've got, they've got like A's and 4A, 4B. So there's like six or seven pools out there, a couple of them being refuge. These are very, very shallow water marshes, and they can move the water back and forth from pool to pool. And so there's places like when Josh and I were out there, we went out there together on one of the Flywest Collective hunts, where we hunted, we couldn't have got to that without me going on plane uh, yeah, yeah. with the boat. Mm-hmm. So essentially what it does is it's making the pools bigger in, in, in a way also. Mm-hmm. Um, because now if some of your mud motors can't even get to part of these marshes. And like I said, these marshes are so large that when you get out in them, you can't even, you can't tell because yeah. a lot of times cattails, you feel like you're just engulfed in, you feel like you're in the middle of an ocean, hmm. especially on a windy day where you have cattails and yeah. the wind and it, it's a spectacular place. So I'm, I'm okay with making any, any regulation they want to make to make these pools feel bigger mm-hmm. and make the overall hunting satisfaction go up. I'm for, I think they should make more of these pools non-motor complete. There's only one pool out of all of them that are um, no gas powered motors. And I think they should do more of it. I'm for catering to everyone. So I kind of like these regulations out there. Mm. How, how many, how many people do you think they're going to be busting when this first comes out? (laughs) Well, that's the thing is that we're very understaffed. So they, Uh. they don't really, they don't really enforce much of it. I mean, you hear people shoot 10 minutes before shooting time. You yeah. see people shooting after, 
after shooting time, and they don't really have a lot of enforcement officers. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are saying, well, this is stuff isn't going to get enforced. Now, they do check licenses a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, if people are, are out of state, they will get busted. But as far as, you know, wake regis- uh, regulations and not being on a pool until 5 a.m., they they won't bust Arlena for that just because mm-hmm. they're not out there they're not out there checking it. Elliot, I can't remember. Do, do they offer a three day hunting license for non residents before like before all this goes? Don't they offer that now, or is it like a two day? I don't know. I'm I've never checked into it just because I've never used it. I'm not sure if they. I would assume that they offer typically places offer a one a three mm-hmm. or a one and a five, and then but I'm not positive. Yeah. Okay. I was just wondering because I would assume that's probably what's going to, I mean, they're, that's probably what they're going to end up doing. I bet is something like that where you just, if it's a three day deal, cause like you said, right. well, think, of, think about this side is if you are like a South Carolina guy uh-huh. and you're, and you're setting to make a trip, you're going to do more than three days. Yeah. So you're just not going to come to Kansas. Right. Right. I mean, you're, you're not going to come in for three days and then typically go somewhere else. You're going to go, to Missouri, to Nebraska, to, you know, <laughs> you're pro- probably what you're going to do is just not come to Kansas. Yeah, for sure. And I wonder what the, af- uh, give it five years, I wonder what the aftershocks of that's going to be, like you said, because you already just said it. They're going to probably go to Missouri. They're going to more mm-hmm. go to Arkansas, Oklahoma, wherever. And then I wonder if that's just going to bleed over into these other states saying, you know what, we're doing the same thing because now we're getting all your traffic. You know, I hope not, because if Nebraska made that same policy, I'd be very, really, very disappointed. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally half uh, off of the border. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that might. You just don't. Sometimes you don't really know the aftershocks of what this certain decisions are going to do until they already happen. There's just no way. Right, but no one followed South Dakota when they did their lottery. Um, no one really followed suit with Arkansas. Arkansas yeah. has some pretty tight red legislation about when non-residents can hunt public. And so I don't know. I mean, Manitoba's doing their re- legislation. We'll see. We'll see what it, what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, one more thing, and maybe we'll switch gears here in a minute, but um, the YouTube deal, what's going on? I've been seeing the text and seeing, right. hearing some information. What's going on there with YouTube? <laughs> As far as hunting, well, they have made a public statement that filming for if you have a business, even if you that would be monetized YouTube video, if you have any sponsors, if you have any partnerships that you're pushing, that that has been and is illegal in Kansas, and that they are going to beef up the um, regulations to make sure and say that. Now, um, that's not what everyone else has interpreted the regulation on the books as, because I've talked to people who have not interpreted it that way. It's pretty gray. Um, but they have made a public statement that um, filming is and monetizing your video is not legal, which opens up a total can of worms, because with YouTube, if even if you turn monetization off, they still run ads. Mm-hmm. So how are they going to figure it out? Mm-hmm. When, what are they going to do about the fishermen? What are they going to do about some right. vlogger coming in and camping? What are they going to do about hikers? I mean, they are opening up the biggest can of worms right now. And that's what I feel like this conversation comes up every year for the last five years. Maybe not just Kansas specifically, but just in general. And I feel like it always just drifts away. I mean, do you I don't, think this, this, is, this one's not different? going to drift away? You don't think so? Yeah, this is no, this is not drifting away. 
this is absolutely after they deal with the non-resident this is next on their list of items and you're well. just saying is kansas uh, as as yeah. in just kansas or are you talking about everywhere just kansas but i'm hearing that it's being talked about everywhere <laughs> mm-hmm. i don't remember who said that but i don't remember where i heard that from but it was a credible source they may have said it on the commission meeting i don't remember um i'm kind of in tune with people behind the scenes too and um i hear things from very credible sources mm-hmm. I, i've been told that they're that this is being discussed nationwide okay well the thing is like i said that has been discussed a lot and it keep it does keep coming up and my, like my thought is i i've never it's never ruffled my feathers at all. I'm not saying that yours or anybody else's, but like you said, it's so many parties involved. It has nothing to do with just hunting, though. I mean, it's like you said, it's photographers, it's bloggers, it's everything, like everything. Right. There's so many things. There's right. no way. I don't see how they can tackle that. That's why I don't feel like it's going to be an issue. I really don't. But I, well, I again, I they will watch Josh and Bobby very closely because I know for a fact those two are on their radar because I, I, I've heard those names being mentioned behind closed doors and they'll try it. They'll try to watch them closely and, and hit one of them. If they catch them doing it. it's my, this is my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, or I would probably be on their radar fairly quickly as well. But I mean, h- how can they, it's not as sometimes it's obvious to tell when you're hunting, but a lot of times it's not right. And like if I hop across the border and I'm in Nebraska I'm only 30 minutes from Nebraska. Right. Are they going to be watching my videos and all of a sudden I'm going to get a knock on my door because I'm putting out content in Nebraska? Or what What if I demonetize the video, don't talk about any sponsors, don't push any products? Are they going to come and say, I can't do that? It would be because if I'm, if I'm literally pushing no product whatsoever, but I have sponsors, how... How, so if I go into Nebraska and let's say I talk about Onyx, I talk about Final mm-hmm. Approach, and I push the product in Nebraska, I monetize that video. Next weekend I'm, I'm hunting in Kansas, I demonetize. I don't mention any sponsors. I don't say anything. Are they gonna? How are they? They're gonna bust me for that? Well, and how are they gonna tell? How are they even gonna tell I demonetize because it's running ads? It's like yeah, it doesn't make sense. I, I feel like it's a losing battle though, Elliot, because yeah. it's. And you talking about them dialing in on Bobby and Josh, it's like, okay, well, let them do that because, I mean, unfortunate for them that they have the bullseye on them. But my point is there's so many outdoor channels and TV shows and YouTube channels that film deer hunts and whitetail hunts and this and that in Kansas. So why is it? Why is it's just it must be waterfowl hunters that are in these positions of authority that are doing this attacking and how are they going to have any leg to stand on? What I mean, <laughs> it's like, they are they are encountering out of state hunters that are telling them that <clears throat> they have come to Kansas because of YouTube videos. I, I'm seeing I've had people contact me and people really mad at me on Facebook mm. saying that whenever whenever we ask someone in in this part of the state out of staters why they're here they mention your channel and so that buzz is growing a lot in part because of that i believe but if they're already fixing the non-resident issue then you know or then leave us alone or just make it a permit-based thing you know, make, make anyone that's going to do it get a permit 
And that way, if they check me out there, that you have cameras, I said, dude, man, see your filming permit, right? Or I don't care whether it's 500 a year. I'd pay $1,000 a year. For yeah. Probably. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just funny to me because there's uh, people will spend so much time on the stupidest of things. It's like, that's really what you want to spend your time on. Like it hurts you that bad because like I said, I mean, it could be the same way. I've heard people say that about whitetail hunting in Kansas, you know, like, Oh, you know, or our different States. Oh, this, I go there because of this guy's videos or this YouTuber and no one's, I mean, yeah, maybe people will have their little gripes about it, but here's the thing. And I, I want to change the topic here and get off this here pretty quick, but I, I I want to do a podcast, and maybe it's not a whole podcast worthy, but at the same time, Elliot, I, I can't tell you how many times, and this is just waterfowl specific, not to include all the things I've seen for elk and deer hunting, because that's what I grew up doing too. And YouTubers, because they can put a face to it, is a lot easier to say, this guy, this guy did this, this guy ruined it. Because they see a face, they see a name, they know the guys mm. from this place. So it's a lot easier to point the finger and be mad and have animosity towards that specific person. But what I always want to say is, what about Ducks Unlimited? What about Delta Waterfowl? What about California mm. Waterfowl? What about this state places that put right up in their magazines? I can, I've highlighted them. I've clipped them out. I, I'm like looking at them saying, look at right here. They're saying, look at this place. Not like, oh, this state. They're literally saying specific locations on where you really need to go duck hunting. And I'm like, how many right. thousands and thousands of people and duck hunters specifically are looking at this? Yes, there could be, there's probably a bigger reach on YouTube. But my point is, we're never saying where the location is. We're never saying specifics. We're never saying the town. We're never doing that kind of stuff. Right. Yet somehow, because there's not a face behind Ducks Unlimited, you, I mean, you could see who the editor is or you can see who the person that wrote that specific uh, story is. But they're straight up saying, well, you've already, since you've already mentioned the name, Cheyenne Bottoms. Like, Cheyenne Bottoms mm. is well-renowned for their blah, blah, blah. And, I mean, it's right there. And yeah. I've never heard any YouTube duck hunters say in any area where they're at. I mean, maybe they have. I've never heard it personally, and I've never looked for it. But I'm just saying, like, where where's the finger? Where how are those guys getting off of it? You know, and because they do it all the time. I've seen it. I've seen it in big game. Yeah, American Hunter, all these big game magazines. I mean, they're like, you need to go to this ridge line way before Onyx was ever even dreamed of. A twinkle in the eye of the creator, they were they were putting places out like that. Colorado, go to the you know Rifle Colorado if you're looking for big bucks. You know, I I've seen that since I was a kid. So well, the, the, and Ducks Unlimited and Wildfowl Magazine do that as well for sure. Yeah, the place we went on collab number one, they named it by name mm -hmm. within the past four or five months mm -hmm. as a hot spot to go to. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm not trying to like dig at somebody else. I'm just saying, like, I think really what it has to do is there's a face, there's a person, it's somebody you can have feeling toward because you can almost touch it and see that person, and you just like take it out, right? And, I, yeah. and, I, and when you guys have been talking about all this stuff going on with Kansas, I was just thinking it's just because it's an individual. There's a face behind it. And, you know, you can watch a video and you can decide to like it or hate that person just because whatever. Like, oh, they do it differently than me or I don't like the way they look or the way they laugh or the way they explain. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
there's just, a lot of people that like to feel angry and hate mm, for sure mm-hmm. so anyways all right we're we're gonna we've talked about that enough i think if you're okay to move on elliot sure we have a special guest that is i've been really excited to have on the show that's going to come on for a little segment here i think you guys will like him and i think you might be requesting him to come back um, his name is woody and he has been on elliot's show i guess probably every episode probably uh, he's, he, we, I did a whole episode. Yeah, yeah. He's been on six different episodes, at least a segment on six different episodes. Yeah. Of my podcast. Do you, now, Elliot, do you have that sound? Uh, or no, that wasn't for that. That's something else. The comment of the day. That's, did you do you yeah. do you have a jingle for his introduction? I don't, but I know I I heard there is a rough draft of one floating oh, around somewhere, but okay. it hasn't it hasn't been fully developed. All right, well I was kind of hoping we could have a little jingle come in there. To, in. <laughs> <laughs> but guys, get ready to hopefully you find them as funny as I do. But um, Woody, I don't know if you're on with us, but we'd like to have yeah, you come hello. on. How's yeah, it, hello, how's it going, yeah. Woody? Hello, yeah, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, hey, listen, man, I'm doing great. Me and my wife, Miss Larnetta, we went to the Mexican restaurant tonight. They had uh, the quesadillas tonight that were on sale. Tell you what, I, I I ate all of mine and half of hers, so I'm I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> Great. Well, I heard you have some. I, I don't want to speak before, but what do you what do you have to share with us tonight? I heard some California stuff maybe floating around. I'm not sure what you uh, have on the agenda. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, Elliot told me that uh, he was kind of interested in my top five countdowns and so I, I had one that i'd been working on so i figured i'd i'd share it with you tonight it's um uh, before i get to it though i want to ask you that are, are you one of them sub gauge fellers because i tell you what i i'm about sick to the i'm getting so tired of all these boys wanting to shoot these little pea shooter shotguns i'm staring at a 28 gauge right now woody oh <laughs> All right. Well, it's been fun talking to you. <laughs> Here we go. Lord have mercy. What in the world do y'all have against a regular shotgun? Why you got to go shoot some Frenchy? Uh, my, my, I, I, you may have heard of my buddy, Lim Parsons. He and I, we, we've been best friends since we was little. And for, for some reason, I don't really know why, but years ago, this is about the only experience I've ever had. And where I'm come from, we just don't mess with them sub-gauge shotguns because we like to kill stuff. We don't just want to make noise. Um, anyway, we, old Lim, one morning we were sitting there in the duck line, and I heard fabric tearing. And it was just getting time to start shooting. I said, Lim Parsons, did you rip your waders? And he said, no, Robert, I didn't whip. Oh, I'm sorry. I, he said, anyway, he said, I did not rip my waders. Now, I, he said, I, I said, well, are you tearing up another pair of underwear? Did you forget your toilet paper again? He said, no, I didn't forget. He said, it's duct tape. I said, what in the, I said, it's time to shoot ducks. Why are you ripping up duct tape? He said, well, I had to run over to mama's the other night. She had a couple of possums got underneath the house and they was raising cane under there. And so, Anyway, I shot up all the 12-gauge shotgun shells I had trying to run them out. And 
By the time I got to the Western Auto store that night, they was about to close, and all they had out on the shelf was 20 gauge. And I figured there's only about eight gauges difference between a 12 and a 20. So, I, you know, it, he said, anyway, Rob, when I got home, I I tried it out in the garage, and I put one of them 20 gauge and little yellow shells in my, my gun barrel, and he said it fell right out the other end. <laughs> What's up, well, Lynn Parsons? Of course it did. A 20 gauge is, le- it ain't no bigger than your pinky finger. <sighs> I said, So I still don't understand why you're ripping up duct tape. He said, Well, what I'm doing, see, my, my buddy Lynn Parsons, he had an old single shot shotgun that he hunted with for years, and he could shoot that thing about as fast as you could shoot a semi automatic. But anyhow, he was wrapping duct tape around the base of them shotgun shells so they wouldn't fall out of the barrel. He was trying to convert 12-gauge over into 20-gauge. I said, Lim Parsons, son, I said, there's a lot of things folks might say about you, but one thing is for sure. You you have an adapt and overcome mentality (laughs) when it comes to things like this. Here's the thing, Titus. he, He hunted three more hunts doing the same thing and every time i'd say Lim, why are you doing that go buy you some 12 gauge shotgun shell you said i don't want to waste the money the boys this i'm, I'm talking this was about 30 years ago you know shotgun shell you probably don't know because you probably weren't born back then me and elliot do shotgun <laughs> shells were so cheap back then he spent nine dollars worth of duct tape to save three dollars worth of shotgun shell <sighs> how did it work out for him when I'm, he shot those shells I, well, they, the problem is when you heat duct tape up, it gets even stickier than it already was. So usually he, if it was wood ducks, he'd get two shots off. If it was greenhead mallards, he'd get three shots off on a bunch and usually make them all count. But with that duct tape on there, when he'd take the first shot, he'd get kind of hot and kind of welded in there like JB weld or something. And so... <laughs> Usually he'd get one shot off and then he'd had, he figured out after the first hunt, he brought him a pair of channel lock pliers. And so he'd grab a hold and yank that shotgun shell out with all the duct tape on it. So he's only able to get one shot at a time, but hmm. it still worked out. All right. He's usually able to scratch a few out. Yeah. I don't need, need to meet that Lynn Parsons guy. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard about him a few times. Sure. <laughs> he is a character, man. All right. Well, I'm sorry. I got distracted there. I, I've got a top five. Now, I, Titus, don't take this personally. All right. I, I was already working on this before I decided to come on your show here, before you, you invited me. I, I tell you, it's an honor. It really is an honor. I've been watching your videos for a while. And me and my buddy, uh, old Clevitis, we made up that rap song for you there a yeah. couple of years oh, yeah. ago. And I should have had that it, ready it, to play on here. It got a lot of, it got a lot of <laughs> traction. I know. Yeah. Anyhow. So this this isn't aimed at you specifically. It's it's aimed at okay. all the California waterfowl hunting video guys. All right. Okay. So here's the top five things that, well, the hunters from a, around the rest of the country just kind of kind of can't stand about California hunters. All okay. right. Okay. So here we go. Number five. Number five is we can't stand the fact that y'all have a seven duck limit. <laughs> Titus, there's been times out here where I hunt that you could shoot two wood ducks and two greenhead mallards, and that's it. Mm. Now, if you happen to luck into a mergancer or a shoveler or something like that, some kind of trash duck, you might shoot one of them, but otherwise you were stuck with four ducks. Mm. Now, it's got a little better, but still we ain't. My point is 
why don't y'all save a few for the rest of us? <laughs> Number four, the top five things we can't stand about California hunters, and that's toolies. What on God's green earth is a toolie? Is it a cattail <laughs> or a bulrush or a, a, a buck brush? Now, I've heard them Michigan fellas up there they talk about them fragmites, and I, I don't really know what that is either, but I think it's got something to do with a bog. But it, what can you describe it for me? I hate to get distracted again, but what is a toolie? Well, I mean, I, I'm not no uh, biologist, but I mean, it's. I'm trying to think what I could, I, I guess it'd be compared to like, well, you guys have like a bull rush or something. I mean, it's just a grassy, well, let's put it this way. At the beginning of our season, they're green. I mean, they're real, you know, full of water. They're green, um, lush. They've got that water. They're tall. Probably if you're standing out in the marsh, they could be upwards of, you know, eight, nine feet tall, just really long, thick stem like. And then as the season progresses, they, even though it's in water still, they end up dying and they're, they turn tan, you know, a light tan. By the end of season, everything's tan. No more green anymore. So basically, at the beginning of the season, we're all, it's green, green, green. And then at the end of the season, everything is tan. Like, no, I'm not going to say brown. It's it's literally tan. So that's that's the way I would describe a toolie. And that's, we hide, get up in there and hide up in the toolies. I, I, not to get you sidetracked there either, Woody, but uh, uh, when you said trash hook on a, on a spoonie or a shoveler, what what did you exactly mean there? What are you talking Lord about? Have mercy <laughs> sakes alive. Don't tell me. <sighs> That's the king, king of California right there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You never That's ate why a, y'all, you never That's ate why a y'all elect the governor like you got. That's <laughs> oh. exactly right. Right there. Anybody that'll shoot a spoon. I, I will agree with you. I will. There is a problem there. Okay. Well, I didn't want to pull you off. All right. Deal. Well, that, that doesn't explain nothing. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> number three. The abundance of pintails. Y'all shoot pintails like we shoot starlings out here. I don't understand it. I, I'll tell you, I've hunted since I was about eight years old. I've shot two pintails in my entire life. Hmm. Now, that still puts me too ahead of old Jordan Fromer. But <laughs> I've killed two pintails in my entire life. And one of them, a dog chewed up because the feller I had hunting with me wasn't worth his salt and didn't take care of his dog. And the second one, well, it blew across the lake on the, in the opposite direction. And when we, me and Lem went to get the boat, it was one of them real cold days, and the boat was froze to the bank. And by the time we busted the boat loose, it cracked the bottom of the boat. Mm-hmm. It wasn't able. Anyhow, I ain't never really got to lay my hands on a real good-looking bull sprig pintail. And y'all, like I said, y'all shoot them out there like they're just a nuisance or something. Yeah. Again. Why don't you save some stuff for the rest of us? <laughs> oh, all right. Number two, let's move on before I get too upset here. Number two is resis. The only thing that the only thing worse than a Thule is a resi. What on what is a res? Is it a reservation? Is it a reservoir? Is it residential? What is a <laughs> resi? Can you explain that to me? Yeah, a reservation. Oh, that's funny. A reservation is where you basically pay a dollar thirty-four per hunt day per refuge that you choose. So you can say if there's fifty different refuges, hunt refuges, you put in a dollar thirty-four per day per hunt refuge um, to possibly get a reservation with a number of one through twenty or one through fifty 
where that's your interest into that refuge. So you'd be the first person in, second person in, so on and so forth. So that's what Charlie we... Charlie Moses. Yeah. What a headache. Yeah, it is. Ugh. Hey, and y'all must, to make you feel y'all, better... Y'all des- you, I guess y'all deserve a seven-duck limit if you're going to have to put up oh, that kind of Yeah. And and to be tell you the truth, I just did a podcast episode on that, and you will put in... Uh, your odds for the worst place is like one in fourteen chance of even drawing. Nobody even wants to hunt that, and you still have a one in fourteen chance. So, the best place, the hardest place to draw is a one in two hundred fifty. So, what well, you might as well put in for the lottery before you try to put in for a resi out here in California. Mm-mm. No, thank you. No, thank you. All right, that brings us to number one of the top five reasons that people can't stand California hunters. I got to be real honest. This one's just the green eyed monster of jealousy, just like pretty much all the rest of them, which I'm, I'm, I tell you, I had no idea when I started out hunting years ago that California had, well, I didn't even think they allowed guns out there except for, you know, in the cities and stuff. But (laughs) anyway, I I had no idea that y'all shot ducks and geese and all the other kind of stuff. But I tell you, in all the years I've hunted, I have never even seen a cinnamon teal. Mm-hmm. And again, between the pintails and the cinnamon teal, yeah, I've just never seen such a thing in my life. And so I, I think a lot of hunters are pretty jealous of the fact that they might see one cinnamon teal fly by their entire hunting career. Y'all get tired of shooting them and start <laughs> looking for shovelers or something like that. <laughs> Oh man! man so that's your top five. Top five okay. reasons we can't say that's all in good fun. All in oh, good yeah. fun. I'm oh, totally yeah. kidding. You keep on cranking them videos out. I love watching them. Yeah. Well, Woody. Hey, I appreciate you coming on here and taking the time, and I uh, love your stuff. And guys, you gotta check them out. He, I'm gonna have to go dig through the archives because I shared that on my Facebook page. Uh, that old, oh, was yeah. it old yeah. Clevitis? Or you might have to send that to me again. Woody okay, yeah, I just sent. We'll you. do a little. We'll do a Lim, little. Man, I wish I would have that does, ready. Lim does all my. Lim does all my uh, technical stuff. He's oh. the he's the computer genius. Oh, that's he don't right. like to talk much, but but uh, he does all the computer stuff for me. Okay, so I have him send it to you. Well, we're gonna have to play that over on the po- over here on the podcast and let everybody get a little scoop of this. So stay tuned for that one. But <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Well, thanks yeah. again, Woody, for coming on. Listen, anytime, brother, anytime, and I want to tell you something. Else. I appreciate the fact that you ain't ashamed of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That Thank means you. a lot to me. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. We have we have some uh, really good ones coming out. I did with my dad today that we talked about masculinity and what it is and the attack on it nowadays. But anyways, yeah, we try to do our best, and I appreciate you for saying that. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. All right. 
Well, thanks for coming on, and uh, hope you uh, have a good one. And I'll I'll shoot a couple of cinnamon till for you this year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that was Woody, and uh, really enjoyed it. You got to go check out Elliot's podcast. He's been on there, like Elliot said, about six times so far. I'm sure he's gonna be on there a bunch more. But man, I had I about uh, was choking half to death the other day. I was flying. I was listening. One of your episodes, Elliot, and uh, it just—I was just rolling. I can't even remember which one it was. It was—it was one of those top five. I want to say it was—was it possum jerky or something? He was talking about. I can't remember, but it was so stinking funny. The one that gets me is when Lim uh, accidentally is going to the bathroom and gets his thing stuck in a zipper. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he, he, I, I won't do uh, the little story, but he, uh, he thinks that the guy hunting with him is a doctor, but he's a reverend, and he shows his thing to the reverend in the duck blind. <laughs> oh Lord! I'm about to go. What episode is that on, by the way? Oh, I don't remember. Oh man, remember. We're gonna have to go. I'm gonna, have, I'm telling everybody about him. We're, we're gonna have to get just play these on playback or go listen to on Elias, but. Yeah, I need I need to put it in the title whenever he appears so people can go. Yeah, it or the description at least, you know. Right. But uh, all right. So we're uh, you know we're sitting at fifty minutes. Are you good for another twenty? Yeah, whatever. 30, you need, man. Whatever. Okay. I'm, whatever you need. All right. So I wanted to. I was thinking about doing this topic by myself, guys, and then I thought, you know what? I really would like another perspective because there's just it's. Number one, it's more fun having somebody else talk about stuff. But number two, it uh, it's just you getting things from different angles that maybe you didn't think about before. So anyways, and that is the topic of water swatting. Um, or what what other terms, Elliot, do people use? Water swatting. I mean, shooting. Sleucing. Ground. Uh, yeah, sluicing. Uh, they, for water. Grout, they call it ground sluicing, I guess. Yeah, ground <laughs> sluicing. Also, you know, just plain as day, if you don't need, know what neither one of those means, it means just shooting a duck on the water, okay? So if there's right. any new hunters out there and you're not familiar with either one of those terms, that's what we're talking about. And it's become, I shouldn't say it, it's become a big thing, which I do think it is. And maybe it's been 10 years, 20 years, 30 years that it's grown to where people just really go off about that stuff. But... Uh, whatever the time frame, it doesn't really matter. I just know that um, I have some old, old books, Elliot, and I've done it on this podcast before. I think it was called The Duck Hunter's Bible. I still have it. I almost finished it. But the ways that they talked about killing ducks, and this was, it was in the 50s and 60s, I believe, when this book was written. So it's obviously to that current time and before what their idea of ethical was, was so much different than it is now. It's unbelievable. And I don't know what's created that. We've had a lot of conversations. Is it social media? Is it this? Is it that? Blah, 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 blah. whatever. It doesn't really matter. The whole point is, is I just want to talk to you. What's your thoughts on this topic? Um, kind of explain how you used to think about water swatting. What, sure. are you, what you used to think it was, because I've heard you say it on yours, like, this is the way I used mm-hmm. to think was the legality of it. And yeah. explain that. Well, so I started hunting, waterfowl hunting, about right when I hit the end of high school, beginning of college. We were upland hunters before that. So right around 90, 91 is when I started um, our waterfowl career. So you were using lead still, started cutting, but were you using lead still at that time? I think that's... We, no, they switched over. The first year we avidly waterfowl hunted was the first year huh. 
where okay. lead was illegal. Okay. So we got in on the trash steel that couldn't yeah. kill anything. Yeah. I mean, and I we actually talk about that on my um, recent episode with Joel Strickland because um, my dad started reloading. Anyway, so from the start, you we were shooting steel, but okay. we always thought it was illegal. For some reason, we had in our head that it was illegal to water swap. Mm-hmm. And um, man, years went by. I mean, we just never did it. Never thought about doing it. Thought it was illegal, but we just never even talked about it. We always flushed the ducks off the water, mm-hmm. um, more so teal than anything else, because I don't normally let birds get to the water. Right. I know a lot of people want to set them down and flush them up. I like killing my ducks about 10 yards off the water hovering. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's just the most fun when they go into that hover mode and they yep. pause and drop a little bit. I just love shooting them right there. You get a, you get a good visual. You get a good splash for the mm-hmm. dog. Mm-hmm. I just, that's my zone. So I don't, I don't typically land birds or let them land. Um, now teal land on you. They're so, you know, they're so fast that they'll just be in the decoys and they'll land yeah. before you even know what you're doing. So we were flushing them and I was, I have habitually been terrible at killing teal off the water. I mm-hmm. don't know why. Mm-hmm. When I flush teal and try to kill them, my shooting percentage is terrible and this went on for years and so um one hunt this was actually the first year i was filming 2015 my dad when he like kills a duck he likes to kill it right as its toes touch the Mm -hmm. water yeah so it's coming down right when its toes hit that's when he likes to pull the trigger Mm -hmm. and so i got to teasing him about whether he was water swatting or not um and i had my fifth video ever i was doing a lot of teasing with my dad about it and i was like I was like, I'm going to video film this and see, show you that, that, it, you know, I'm going to, you're going to get in trouble. It's illegal. And so I had yeah. people commenting on the video, Hey, it's not illegal. It's not a legal water slot. And so I don't have any idea why I thought it was, I looked it up and sure enough, it's not, um, it's not illegal. So from that point on during teal season, I will water swat some teal. Yeah. Um, I still prefer to kill them out of the, out of the air. Cause it's just more fun. Mm-hmm. But if they're like, especially when it's a little dark and I know I can start the hunt. I'm not sure how it's going to be a great hunt. I got a teal on the water. Mm-hmm. Um, it's legal, but it's a little dark and I can just easily kill it. So I started doing that some of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of a sudden, man, it's like, I didn't realize this. Apparently this really pisses a portion of hunters mm-hmm. off. Like they are in my way of thinking, they're unreasonably emotional about it they'll call you names they'll stop watching your channel and i just like what in the world i I just so caught me off guard Mm because i had no idea that people were so emotional about this topic and anytime i talk about water sweating which i've talked about it exhaustively on my podcast jordan and i talked about it on the duck gun podcast um it's all about the emotional response that people have to it Mm -hmm. and and why they're they get so angry about it i don't have a problem with water swatting because when I water swat, I kill them. I mean, I, yeah. I can't, I can't think of now, unless you have like a mallard that lands at 45 or 50 mm-hmm. and you're trying to water swat that I've seen those birds get away a few times. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I bet you my shooting percentage on, on water swatting birds is 95. I mean, I just don't ever, right. I, it always kills them. And, um, 
So I don't have an issue with it. If you don't want a water slot, that's fine. Right. If you want a water slot, that's fine. I'm non-emotional about it because I don't think it makes a difference. That's a good point because it, it's talk. You're talking about the emotion of it, and I I don't understand that as well. Um, unless it's, I guess maybe. Do you think people are getting emotional about it because they think it's unethical? Is that why yes. they're getting? Now so- here's my theory. Here, here's Jordan and I talked about this for a long time and here's what we together kind of our our theory now the book that you're reading you're talking about may dispel this but our theory was during back in the market hunter time frame they use those big punt guns right yeah, yeah and they they would they would put these huge shotguns on a boat they would float it out there and i think sometimes they even had like a string on the trigger and they would shoot these things and just slaughter Mm -hmm. with one shot tons of ducks on the water Mm -hmm. well at some point they outlawed market hunting for waterfowl and my guess is is that it's separated to well we're duck hunters but we're sportsmen we would never do that we would Mm -hmm. never be like the market hunters we would never shoot them on the water and so then when you were a sportsman you identified yourself like that away from the market gun hunters saying it's not ethical to do that. It's not sportsmen to do that and really looked down on it and then taught that to their sons, their sons taught it to their sons. And so from, I think that I, I'm not, I think market gun hunting ended in the twenties somewhere, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Don't know. Some, but, maybe, maybe a hair later, but I, yeah, I can't remember exactly. And it got passed down that this is unethical. This is unsportsman mm. and the emotions of it got passed down. That's, that's our, hypothesis yeah i think that's that's a pretty good one um it's definitely a it's definitely how you were taught by your mentor right um Mm -hmm. travis was my mentor and i never we never did that but when we did it was we if we water swatted it was for a specific purpose or we didn't have a good shot on it it was like you said it was never a far shot it was just like it was just kind of like maybe the angle or like, I can't tell you very many situations, but when we did it, I was never like, oh man, don't ever do that again. Like that was so unsportsmanlike. It was never a conversation we ever had. Not saying, like you said, not saying if that's how you were raised and that's how you want to train people that you mentored. I don't have a problem with that if you feel that way. Like, but I just don't see, like you said, to go off the hook and off the chain on other people about it is just like, man, I can't believe you are that upset about that, you know? It logically doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. But I'm trying to I'm trying to play both sides, right? I'm trying to understand because especially in our position Elliot's with podcasts and stuff and sh- and YouTube channels and all that, I've we've talked about this. You learn to be a little bit more not so quick uh to answer or quick to respond or maybe so dogmatic about something. Yes, you can have how you believe and stand by it. But at the same time, you do want to take the time to hear other people's reasoning and wonder and try to figure out why, you know. I, I think, just have never heard a, ever heard a good argument. I know, I, and you've I been trying. There, and you've been uh, trying. Yeah, I put it out there on two episodes. Yeah. That if anyone felt really emotional about it to come on the podcast with me and have a civil conversation. And I, I just don't, I don't think a cohesive, logical argument can be made as to why you should feel very strongly about this topic. I don't either. I think when something's so rooted and grained into you, and I'm definitely not comparing duck hunters that don't want to water swap birds compared to, like, 
I hate to be too crazy here with this. Don't don't take me wrong when I say this, Elliot. But like people that were are grew up rate with racist families, right? Like mm-hmm. they were ra- they were born into it. Literally, they were little children. They grew up under that whole mindset and how the you know this race or that race is bad, whatever. And they had a, a basically a hatred in their heart, and they had no reason to have that like, other than mm-hmm. it was emotionally put in them by their parents, right? So like in and that, I know that's a terrible analogy, but it's the best way I can describe such a strong emotion is that was put in somebody so strong that without even taking the time to think about why do I believe the way I believe, you know, is there right. is this logical? Is there a reason for this? Is there a good reason? Um, cause spiritually speaking to to use a different analogy is I don't want to raise my kids. My parents didn't raise me to just do dogmatic, believe dogmatic things and believe certain ways because they said, but they want me to find out for myself. Right. They wanted Mm -hmm. me read the Bible (coughs) for yourself and let it speak to your heart and your life the way it should. And then that's where you can you make your your judgment from what it says because it's black and white, right? So I know I'm kind of using crazy analogies here, but I'm just trying I think to, those analogies work. I'm just trying to understand, right? Like so right. so let me let me give my illustration about what I think of when people have a problem with that. So um I this is how I feel about it. Uh jumping a bird I shouldn't say it like this. I'm going to try to dumb this down and not sound so kind of extreme about it. But, like, I'll just say what I wrote down. Jumping birds in the decoys, if, you know, if you want to say, hey, hey, you know, get up. I've done that before. Like, hey, hey, you know, you're trying to get him to jump up or whatever, right? But always thinking that's the only way to do it and is, to me, as dumb as scaring a deer that comes into your stand when you're shooting a rifle. That's how I feel. Like if I fooled a bird, let's say if I'm looking left to my left, right? And a bird comes in, I didn't get a chance because I wasn't noticing it coming in from my right when I was looking to the left. And it just went, I mean, came out of nowhere and boom, it plopped right down in my decoys, right? And I look over and it catches me off guard and I move and put my gun over on it and it's not jumping and it's seen me move, but it's still not going nowhere. I'm not, I've jumped him. 50% 50% of the time I'll jump him and shoot him, and 50% of the time I might just shoot him on the water because, like you said, 100%, I'm hitting that bird every single time. And why don't – I could be – this is could be another dumb analogy, but when you're sitting in a deer stand, you're freezing your tail end off, you've been sitting there for three straight days for 12 hours a day, and and that, that buck comes in that is a shooter buck, and he's walking in, you're being quiet, you're not moving. He gets in right in range, and he's 30 yards away, and you have a rifle. How is that any different shooting that buck with a high-power rifle at 30 yards? Why why shouldn't that deer hunter go, hey, hey, and let that deer have a sporting chance to run while he shoots at that? What is the difference between that and a deer? If you have one, definitely tell me. But I'm trying to, like, what's the difference there? Right, I think they would probably. And what would, what would, would someone say to that? It this way, <clears throat> I don't think they would quote it this way, but I think what they would mean would be value of life of a deer. You know, we had that conversation about value of an animal life, and I mm-hmm. think that people value deer more than they do ducks. So I think that you'd probably get some form of answer 
that in a roundabout way would would say that. Now, when you say Something value of like, life, I've heard you use that term before, but are you saying they value? But if that's the one case, one deer more than one dove. Okay, well then, that being said, there's then, more meat. Right, but that being said, then, then so you're saying these people value the life of a duck less. What are the right. same people saying that's not sporting to shoot them on the water? That doesn't even make any right. sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, the, the main arguments, and you've kind of touched on them, intertwined them a little bit. The main arguments are people either say that it's unsporting and you should give an animal a sporting chance, or they'll say it's unethical, or the, the worst one of the three is that they will say it's harder to kill a duck on the water, which is uh, not that's my not, experience. But, that's right. So so un, unsporting, <laughs> I, I, to that I, I say that I want to kill it dead. That's the most important thing is that it, it's limiting its pain and suffering is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. So unsporting, sporting has no place in that type of an argument, has no place when we're taking the life of an animal that we want to dispatch as humanely as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and unethical, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't, have any idea what they mean by unethical unless they're tying that into the the idea that your um it's it's organs are submerged under water and you're going to hit mostly feathers and so it's actually harder to kill a bird on the water than it is flushing it which is absolutely not my experience mm-hmm. um but n- neither of those arguments are to me make any good solid rational sense yeah because i mean <clears throat> Like I said, it, it, the same people that are so if if it's value of life and they're so concerned about deer, which is you should be, um, you don't want to wound an animal and see it run off. But if if you're valuing the life and you think again that's unethical, then then that means you're you're lessening the value of the life of a duck, which is the argument you're making to not shoot him on the water. So it just right. It just, and- and let me, can I give them an argument? Here, here's the argument I think that they should say. Mm-hmm. I think that they should say, waterfowl mm-hmm. hunting is steeped in tradition, mm-hmm. and tradition matters. Mm-hmm. And this is a wing shooting sport, and the way that the public perceives us is important, and we need to hold to our traditions, and we need to be wing shooters and not shoot them on water, because on video it can be a little bit of more of a gruesome bad look, and it's outside of our tradition and traditions matter. And therefore we really need to stick with our, with our backstory of being wing shooters as a community. I think that's really the, the, and I've never heard anyone say that argument, but I've thought about this topic so much. I've kind of come up with an argument for them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I think their only, their only feasible argument to say you shouldn't do this would be that. Yeah. And uh, again, I'm definitely not being defensive about like if anybody wants to do that, it's totally fine. And I think that's great. But there's been times like you've mentioned that I wish I would have shot him on the water. Like, for instance, right at shooting time, if it's overcast and it's 10 minutes after shoot time (laughs) and the bird lands on the water and I've I've hey, hey, and they've lifted off. And as soon as they lift off, I can't see him like they blend in with the background because of the trees or whatever's on the bank that blends in. And it's like, I mean, at that point you just decide not to take the shot or whatever, but there has been times I have taken that shot and I'm like, man, that was stupid. If I would have just shot him on the water, 
I could see him clear as a bell, but as soon as they lift it off, you know. So, again, you could say, well, don't just don't shoot at all. Just wait 30, 45 minutes after shoot time, and we've done that too. It's just I think a lot for me it depends on – it's really situational dependent, you know, and – Again, so I wrote this thing, Elliot, see what you think. I put this on, I was trying to find it while you're talking, and uh, I have my stories on Instagram save automatically to my pictures. So on December 13th, 2022, just this last season, I wrote in here, these are the things I've heard over the years, and I cannot believe how my DMs blew up when I wrote this, in a good way, actually, surprisingly, but I think because it makes a lot of sense. So that's what I wrote. I said, comical to me what duck hunters think is ethical. I'll let you comment on this if you want. When I'm finished reading it, it says, comical to me what duck hunters think is ethical. These are things I've heard over the years, meaning the last six years, whatever. Number one, if you shoot them at 40 yards, that's sky busting. You're unethical. Number two, if you shoot them at five yards, you'll ruin the meat. You're unethical. Number three, if you shoot them on the water in your decoys, you're unethical. (laughs) Number four, if you shoot them (laughs) passing right to left or left to right, you're unethical. That's pass shooting. I said not much you can do right after that, but here's a shot in the dark. You have to shoot ducks 15 to 30 yards away, coming straight at you, backpedaling, feet down, but not touching the water, if you can't do that, don't shoot. You're unethical. <laughs> I mean, and if you think about it, that's exactly what you have to do to be ethical to some people. Right. You know? Right. Uh, can I add some to those? Yes. If you if you shoot into a big flock, you're unethical. Mm-hmm. If you shoot into a big flock, you if you have to have more than four people in order to be ethical, if you don't shoot at everything within the range and within range, you're unethical. I've heard those as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why doesn't everyone just allow everyone else to kind of be themselves unless, or just get off the word unethical and just like, think about like, is it your preference or is it? Yes. Like actually think about what the word unethical means. It's unethical to have a wounded bird in your hand, throw it in the pile and yeah. not dispatch it. Yeah. That's that that is unethical. Mm-hmm. But you know, some of this other stuff, it's just like I think people are are using that word just way too flippantly. Well, in the dictionary, this is just the Webster's, it says unethical. It's uh, lacking moral principles. Unwilling right. to adhere to proper rules of conduct, which that could, you know, rules of conduct or, or number two, not in accord with the standards of a profession. So, uh, you know, right, there's these right. certain standards that our fathers, 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 fathers have set, you know, what is right. It's unethical for the sport, right. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. So, but anyways, yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's it's, great. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's something that I like to be challenged anyway. So the point is, is I want to be somebody that can be challenged and be and question because there's been times, especially when I first started um, doing YouTube, you're putting yourself out there, man. I mean, you're really asking for it. You and you didn't. Yeah. I didn't realize that until I started getting <laughs> feedback, and I'm like, um, I feel like I have done some things in the past. Um, that if I wasn't videoing, I probably wouldn't have done only because I was more thinking about video than I was, okay, this bird's still squirming. This bird's still blinking. 
instead of holding the bird up for the camera, dispatch that bird. And so I'm glad I have learned some things from putting myself out there. Like, yeah, you're right. Good call. Good catch. I was wrong. I should have paid attention that the bird wasn't fully dead yet. Dispatch the bird, you know, so good, good things can come out of it. And, uh, unfortunately sometimes it's at your expense because you're putting yourself out there. So he kind of asked, yeah, it's vulnerable. It's a vulnerable thing, Mm -hmm. especially if you're going to just let your true personality, um, just kind of be there on display. It's certainly vulnerable Mm -hmm. because everyone's a lot of people, everyone's judging you, whether it's positive or negative, everyone's a value evaluating. I think that we use the word judging improperly in this country. It's really evaluating, Mm -hmm. evaluating, what they think of you as a person and and, uh, it's a vulnerable thing for sure yeah well hey it's getting late at your your hometown um i appreciate you coming on elliot really enjoyed this conversation yeah thanks for having me anytime i I hope that we continue to do this a little more often because i always love the conversations yeah same here and uh, we will hopefully every every uh month or two just come back on and and be on each other's shows and guys go check them out uh, go check out the North American Waterfowler Hit Podcast with Elliot as the host. And um, also all his social media, Freelance Duck Hunting, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you got a Patreon over there. How do you find that Patreon, Elliot? Do people it's want to look at Patreon.com slash Freelance Duck Hunting. P-A-T-E-R-O-N. Patreon.com slash Freelance Duck Hunting, which is more and more of an important place with everything going on with YouTube. I'll yeah, right. That. I know. Sure. I, I keep asking you about how to, if I should get one of those going, and I just keep putting off. <laughs> but well, I know that you you're not. You know, you've been. It's just that people don't realize number one that people think we make a lot more money on YouTube than mm-hmm. we actually make. Right. I know that for a fact. Yeah. Because when I, I I'm happy to tell people what I make on there, and people are always surprised how little it is, and we put hours and hours and yeah. hours and hours into this. We do it because we love it. Yeah. But at the same time, we still. You know, you've got a podcast, you've got a YouTube channel, you know, it's, it's, it's hours of, it's hours of love and labor. And so, um, you know, uh, any way that people can support us is certainly um, appreciated. Yeah. And yeah, I, it's well worth it because uh, there's stuff on there you're going to see on there that you won't see anywhere else. So anyways, well, thanks again, Elliot. And I hope you have a good night and appreciate you coming on and guys check them out. And we will see you guys on the next one. We're